Hey guys, welcome into 614 and Beyond. I am Jason, aka Fire the Cannon, and as always, we are brought to you by the Last Choice Network. Be sure to check out Last Choice Network on YouTube or wherever you find your favorite podcast. And thanks for making us your choice, even if it was your last. All right, welcome back into 614 and Beyond. To all you beautiful people of Columbus, Ohio, how you been? Uh, it's been pretty wacky on my side, just working, going to Blue Jacket games. Trying to raise a twelve-year-old son, and uh, yeah, just living, living the, living the life, and doing my thing. So, uh, I just want to apologize to everybody out there who's asked. Don't really get to record as much as I'd like. Uh, I don't have fancy sponsors or anything to uh, motivate me to get uh, podcasts done like I should be doing. Um, that being said, if you are a one of the thousand. Um, betting apps out there that want to uh, throw their name on the podcast that'd be great Um, I do have a few things in the works but uh, they're not guaranteed so uh, yeah that being like I said if you guys know anybody wants to throw their name on the podcast let's do it I'm all for it (laughs) Um, but yeah a nice cold day here in the capital city it is I believe at last check I think it's like 20 degrees or something insane like that so uh, luckily we haven't had too much snow but I can't do cold weather anymore. It's just too cold. I uh, used to hate the heat, and now I hate the cold. So that's what happens when you uh, get old, right? Um, all right, so let's go ahead and uh, well, well, let me update you guys on a couple, couple, or I guess how the show's going to go here. So I'm uh, going to give Blue Jacket update. We're going to talk about the Blue Jackets for a little bit and um, get uh, get that out the way. And then we're going to jump in the 614 and Beyond Time Machine and talk about a little piece of architecture here in columbus that is uh one of my favorites i love it i've been been there many times been up in this uh particular building many times and hopefully you guys can learn a little something about it and i am going to introduce my first dramatic reading on the 614 and beyond podcast i'll explain to you a little bit more here what that's all about but Let's go ahead and take a walk down Irish Broadway, a.k.a. Nationwide Boulevard, and talk about the Blue Jackets. So let's go ahead and get it out of the way here first with the Blue Jackets. They are currently still atop the reverse power rankings at number 32 in the league. They've played 51 games. Uh, They are 15, 32, and 4. Uh, with uh, 34 points. So they have the same amount of points as Chicago. Chicago is 15, 29, and 4, but they've only played 48 games. They have three games in hand. So um, hopefully they continue to win some games. Anaheim is sitting at 30 with 37 points. Arizona, 38 points. And the Sharks with 41. And I guess we'll go ahead and throw Vancouver and Montreal in there too, 43 and 44, respectively. So a long way to go. Uh, well, we got 30, 31 games left, so plenty of opportunities to lose <laughs> uh, at this point. Like I've I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, uh, let's just win games. Let's just win games at home, right? Get points at home, make them competitive. Last night we did play Washington, and it was a uh, really good game. Thought it was going to get out of hand quick, but the uh, Blue Jackets kind of forced their way back into it and uh, lost in overtime. But we knew that was coming. It was either going to be Ovechkin or Kuznetsov, and Surprise, surprise, it was Kuznetsov. So, uh, yeah, so again, 15, 32, and 4. Uh, they're a minus 67 on the season, so that's uh, that's pretty pretty brutal. 
uh, pretty brutal. At home, they are 11, 15, and 2. And on the road, they are a god-awful 4, 17, and 2. Now, that also, that obviously, being bad on the road, usually most teams you know, don't do well on the road. But this is like historic for the Blue Jackets, uh, 4, 17, and 2. I'd have to look at the numbers, but historically they've always been bad on the road. But this is just uh, – <laughs> but it's one of those seasons where they're bad, the injuries are piling up, but you know what? There's a light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that uh, – see how all that plays out in a couple months. But uh, February 1st. They got, uh, let's see here, they have 13 home games left in, in basically two months, two full months. So not a lot of home games left. They're all on the road. So as I've said, plenty of chances to lose games. There's only three home games in March, so it's going to be tough going to California and Vegas and all over the country. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty rough. But uh, we just finished off Western Canada. Got three points out there. So more than we used to get. You, you only in the past going there twice. Three points in four games isn't isn't too bad. So, uh, but they did beat Edmonton, which was pretty cool. Uh, shutting down um, Drysaitel and McDavid, that was pretty cool. And then uh, losing to Calgary, and I believe it was overtime. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau's first game back, which was pretty pretty hilarious if you ask me. Uh, and then, like I said last night, they did lose to Washington four to three. So um, yeah, at home in overtime, got a point out of it. Uh, right now, it's the All Star break; they're really not doing much. Uh, but they do play. Um, the next home game is on the tenth against Toronto, and then away against Toronto on the eleventh. Um, they just announced today. Uh, right before I jumped on here, that Gus Nyquist is most likely going to be out for the season. He hasn't ruled it out, but everyone I was saying that he's going to be out for the season. So uh, I know he wants to remain a Blue Jacket, or at least he said publicly in the past that he wants to stay here, even even you know when he knew that they were going to rebuild. So uh, we'll see how that goes. I think getting hurt was probably a roundabout way of him getting to, you know, stay in Columbus. So I guess that's cool. Everybody loves Gus Nyquist. Um, but if he, you know, if he takes about half of what he's making now, I could imagine them keeping him, sign him for maybe another two or three years, you know, for some veteran leadership. We definitely need some vets in the room. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I love the guy. I hope he comes back. Uh, it really sucks that he's hurt. Um, he was one of only two people on the team, two guys on the team that, <clears throat> haven't missed a game him and him and johnny and and uh obviously he's out now so johnny gaudreau best player on the team haven't missed a game yet so we'll see how that see all that works out um please wrap johnny gaudreau and bubble wrap uh johnny gaudreau's wife if you are listening make sure that man doesn't get hurt please um yeah so there's that uh not much going on right now again the all-star break so hopefully these guys can take some time get Get uh, get themselves together. I know last night Blankenberg and Boquist, neither one of them played. I think they're both kind of nicked up. Um, but then today they did send down um, Marcus uh, Marcus Bjork, so they sent him down to Cleveland. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I, I assume that means a couple guys are coming back. But um, again, they probably sent him down too because it's the All Star break here in the NHL, and uh, I'm sure they got some. They want to get those guys on the ice. So 
probably nothing to see there. Um, again, with with ten days left before the next game, so send those guys down, get them some playing time. I know Cleveland's been ravaged uh, ravaged by injuries as well, so hopefully they can get healthy. And uh, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs or way out of it, but you never know. We could make a big push. Uh, in terms of the Blue Jackets right now, um, you got Gaudreau, Line A, and Jenner all have 14 goals to lead the team. Uh, Kirill Marchenko, Krilly Chinko is what I call him. He has uh, 13 goals, and I can, without even having a look, obviously he has zero assists because he's like setting, re- he's uh, close to setting a record that's over 100 years old. Uh, Ken Johnson has 10 goals as well. Johnny Gaudreau leads with 35 assists. Jack Rosovic, uh, ha, Jack Rosovic has 23. And then, obviously, Gaudreau has 49 points, uh, I believe in 51 games, I think is what I said. So just about a point per player. My, I, I really hope he just really gets on a tear and starts putting up a ton of points. I, I really want him to beat um, Artemi Panarin's single-season um, points record for the Blue Jackets. That would be nice, do it in his first season. So... Um, that's it. I mean, it's a sad, sad time on Irish Broadway right now. But like I said, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, in in terms of uh, the draft, so I'm assuming they're going to get one of the top three picks. I am on record saying I don't think they're going to sniff the number one pick. I don't think the NHL is going to allow it. But you never know. You never know. So who knows? Maybe the Johnny Gaudreau effect will take take uh, the NHL by, you know, we'll grab them and say, hey, we can sign free agents here. And uh, hopefully they um, give us the pleasure of getting the number one pick in the draft, which all we obviously we all know is going to be Connor, Connor Bedard. So I hate saying that name. Uh, the name is worn out, <laughs> to be honest. I, like, I, I am about this close to mutant it on Twitter, Connor and Bedard. So... I don't want to, but man, it just drives me nuts hearing about it nonstop, 24 hours a day. So, yeah, that's it. That's your Blue Jacket update. Again, not a lot to talk about in terms of the Blue Jackets right now. So, um, one thing, though, I will bring up is that on a Tuesday, January 31st, on a Tuesday, when they're dead last in the standings, and there were over 17,000 people in the stands last night. So, unreal. Unreal. It's been like that the last couple Tuesdays so if they can keep that up you know that'll just prove to the league that you know even though we stink um you know we still can put fans in the stands and that's what it's all about now there were some Caps fans there last night but they weren't as loud as they are normally so I don't know what that was all about but normally there's a ton of Caps fans here I don't know where they live there's no damn well they they no damn way they live in in DC and they come here on a, on a Tuesday so they're probably from here just kind of Switched their allegiance over to the Caps back in, what, 18 when they won a cup, I would imagine. So, we don't know how that goes. But, hopefully it gets better. And, uh, you know, they, like I said, just play competitive hockey at home. That's all I care about. I pay to I pay to see good games at home. So, that's all I ask for. Alright, so that's your Blue Jacket update again. And, uh, hopefully you guys can take a, uh, take a, trip down to Nationwide Boulevard and, and uh, see the Blue Jackets for the last, uh, what I say, 13 games left. So get in there and let's pack the building, all right? All right, go Jackets. Okay, so let's hop into 614 and beyond time machine. Um, last time I talked to you guys about a terror event that actually happened in, uh, in 
out here on the east side of Columbus in Whitehall back in 19, what did I say, 70, 71, um, which not a lot of people knew about, and I got a lot of uh, comments and stuff on that, which is pretty uh, pretty awesome. But today I want to talk about a um, one of the, I guess, crown jewels of Columbus, and that is the Levesque Tower. Um, the Levesque Tower is actually, I think it's 47 stories right now, or was. It's 555 feet, 5 inches tall. It's the tallest building it was the tallest building in Columbus when it was completed. Um, so from 1927 to 1974, it was the tallest building, and it still is the second tallest building today. So it's 353,700 square feet. It's an Art Deco skyscraper, opened as the American Insurance Union Citadel in 1927. And at the time, it was actually the fifth tallest building in the world, if you can believe that, here in good old Columbus, Ohio. So it cost about $8.7 million to call, uh, to build it. I'd have to look up how much that costs now, but that's a, that's a ton of money. Uh, the tower's design uh, incorporates ornate ornamentation with a terracotta facade, which I love. I think it's, I think it's awesome. Uh, it was designed with 600 hotel rooms and two wings, as well as attached performance venue to Palace Theater. Obviously, if you've drove, driven down East Broad Street, you know the Palace Theater. After the American Insurance Union... Uh, went bankrupt in the great during the Great Depression. The tower was renamed the Lincoln Levesque Tower in 1946, and then later just changed to Levesque in 1977. Um, the tower's office space had mixed uh, success in attracting tenants during its early history, but it became home to a number of state agencies and law firms uh, as development of downtown Columbus peaked, uh, beginning in the 1960s. Uh, other high rises were constructed, so the tower facade increasing competition from other major office buildings and its vacancy rates rose, which was pretty sad. Uh, my grandma actually told me a story. She used to work down at the uh, city hall, and she would tell me stories about how, I mean, it was every day there were people moving in and out of there, so it was pretty wild. Over the course of its history, the tower changed hands several times before being sold to a group of real estate investors in 2011. The current owner's uh, subsequently converted it to a mixed-use development to include hotel apartments and condominiums, offices, a restaurant, and that all opened in 2017. I do remember I actually went in there. I worked for um, Staples, and we had a ton of businesses in there that, that we uh, we serviced and stuff like that. I remember going in there and, and uh, just walking around, and half the building was empty. And this was actually before the, the current ownership bought it. So it was uh, it was really empty, but I haven't been in there in a while. But it it, does, it looks unreal from the outside. So there's like an, uh, the hotel entrance and there's the apartment entrance, which is pretty cool. So um, and I got a funny story about that um, here in just a uh, just a bit. But um, the Lincoln Tower was commissioned by the American Insurance Union um, in 1894 as a fraternal insurance company. Um, secret society and, and social club by John Lentz, who would become a U.S. representative, which is kind of, he also served as a president of the organization. So um, originally the American Insurance Union Citadel, the tower was to be the headquarters for the organization and would replace a smaller building it owned on the corner of Broad and Front in downtown Columbus, a short distance from the Scioto River. 
The tower was designed by Detroit, Michigan-based architect C. Howard Crane, known for grandiose designs. Uh, its construction took place during the first wave of modern skyscraper development in the United States. So if you go back and look at some of the old pictures, um, like New York and Chicago, a lot of those, uh, a lot of those buildings were being built during the same time. Um, the original plan of the tower was to have three principal components, a, a 47-story tower flanked by a pair of 18-story wings, with a total rentable area of 353,000 square feet. Um, that's, it's a big building. I mean, it, it looks tall and skinny, but it, there's a lot in there. When you get, get in there and start walking around, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty wild, um, pretty wild place in there. Um, the elevators were really, really old when I was in there and it was rickety and it was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was, it was pretty wild. Uh, the, uh, they were really slow too. So it was, uh, pretty wild, um, at the height of the construction, about 650 men worked on the structure. Groundbreaking, excuse me, groundbreaking for the tower took place on September 23rd, 1924, and then excavation commenced after that. Um, for the t- at the time that they were they were building this, they used a lot of uh, modern construction um, equipment and stuff like that. So it was it was pretty cool. They they used um, sand hogs, which were uh, you know that they used to build these tunnels and put air pressure, um, you know, stuff like that in there to kind of, um, force the, the, um, um, the big rods and stuff that they used to put into the bedrock. So, um, it was pretty cool. Uh, January 26, 1925, there was an accident though under that occurred underground that killed four workers when a toxic gas, um, was accidentally released during the setting of the, um, like the, the rods and stuff they put down there overwhelming them and causing them to fall into the foundation. A fifth construction worker was killed later in the building's construction after falling from its steel framing. Not sure how far that, how far he fell, but that's that's a terrible terrible way to die. Um if you like I said, if you've never been in there, I I, I definitely recommend that you uh that you get in there. Um floodlights were first installed. Everybody knows uh you know the Leveque is known for its lights at the top you know they, they change the the colors for different events and and all kinds of stuff floodlights were first installed in 1889 or i'm sorry 1989 illuminating its top floors with white lights um from evening into the night later the owners had theatrical uh, gels installed to add colored lights as an option and during the uh, building's 2012 to 17 re- uh, rent of restoration the floodlights were replaced with computer controlled leds uh, to save energy usage and also allow for a wider array of color options. So it's actually pretty cool. I, I didn't know that it was just 1989 when they did that. I thought, I, I remember, I thought as a kid seeing lights up there the whole time, but I guess I was wrong. Um, it has changed uh, changed function and ownership over the years. Uh, obviously, the, the insurance or the American Insurance Union occupied floor, a couple floors with the remainder of the space available to rent for others. And um, the, the building saw several significant cost overruns, prompting the American Insurance Union to dip into its monetary reserves to pay for the tower, which seems weird. Uh, financial problems soon arose for the company as the tower cost $800,000 more than the budget allowed for, and not all the office space in the building was filled up quickly. Um, it also became a uh, important radio broadcasting or important for radio broadcasting in the city. 
which was increasing in prominence in the late 1920s. Obviously, no TV, but there was uh, plenty of radio. The building was ideal, uh, was the ideal height for broadcasting, and there were obviously there were no mountains or anything like that to uh, uh, impede or intervene with the uh, with the broadcast. So it was able to go out to uh, a, you know a large amount of people. Um, let's see here. Uh, obviously, the tower dominated the Columbus skyline which did not see any significant high-rise construction until the 1960s. It would have been really cool to go back and, you know, maybe in the, in the 30s or 40s and just look around downtown and see. Because now you see all the buildings nationwide and, the, you know, in the courthouse and, and the state office towers and stuff like that. Um, it would have been cool just to see the Levesque. Um, but there, um, there was one major attempt to build another high-rise in the city in 1953, uh, the Lincoln Levesque was the only building in the Columbus taller than 300 feet, and as a number of other major commercial vendor ventures like Huntington Bank and Amer- AEP flourished in the city, um, its urban core saw construction as new high rises, you know, um, went up. The building remained the tallest structure in Columbus until the Rhodes Tower was completed in 1974. Lincoln Levesque was added to the National Historic Registry in 1975. So Fred Levesque. Uh, bought the Palace Theater, but he was killed in a plane crash in January of that year, leaving his wife president uh, of the company, um, of the real estate group. Uh, Levesque Enterprises, Columbus downtown office market saw uh, some issues with high rise, with high vacancy rates, but the tower itself uh, retained higher than average occupancy rates, which is pretty cool. So it's good to see that that they uh, were able to keep it full, you know, at the time. So, um, Let's see here. The, the 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 renovation in 2012, the tower was purchased by by some place called Tower 10 LLC. If you know what Tower 10 is, basically it's it's the uh, it's the address. Uh, joint venture of Columbus real estate investors, including Bob Myers, Casto, Michael Schiff. These guys are all Columbus big Columbus guys uh, for four million dollars. But uh, by that point, the office's building vacancy rate was 43%. So the partners planned a $22 million project to fix cracked terracotta on the tower and convert it from an office building to a hotel and residential structure. In 2012, the owners announced a renovation would cost $27 million, including $5 million in tax credits from the state of Ohio for renovation. Um, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of dough. The renovation was completed in 2017, saw extensive work to, re- to repair the building's terracotta facade, I remember driving downtown and seeing all the, you know, all the, all the brick that was falling down and stuff like that as they was fixing it. So it was pretty, uh, it's pretty wild time. Uh, the Vec Tower was redesigned as a mixed-use development with floors five to ten of the building converted to a 150-room boutique. Uh, I'm sorry, boutique hotel, which I haven't stayed in yet, and I really kind of want to do it. Uh, the Hotel Levesque under Marriott International's autograph collection, um, and it has also has some event space. Floors 3, 4, and 11 through 18 were renovated as 160,000 square foot of office space, with the remaining 19 floors were converted to upscale residential uh, units, a mix of 68 apartments and 12 condos and two penthouse units on the top floors. There's a restaurant called The Keep that was open. It's an Illinois-based First Hospitality Group Incorporated restaurant on the second floor. Um, Funny story. When I was working for Staples, I actually, you know, we had we had customers all up in there, and I actually got on the elevator and I just like jumped in the elevator and just started going to all the um, all the businesses and stuff, and 
I actually ended up at the top somewhere. I can't remember what floor. I hopped off the elevator and I see what looks to be like a condo or apartment or whatever. And the TV is on. And there's a guy sitting there on a couch like eating and drinking. And I and I looked and I said, oh, God, I think I got off on the wrong floor. He said, yeah, I forgot to lock the elevator. He said, yeah, he said this is my house. He, well, my he said my house, but this is his apartment. And I said, oh, I'm really, really sorry. I'm going to hop on that and go back down. He said, no good. He said, it's all good, man. You want a beer? And I, I thought for a second, it is lunchtime. But I said, no, I better not. <laughs> and I uh, I got back on and went back downstairs. So that was a pretty uh, pretty funny uh, conver- you know, interaction I had. I, you know, guy forgot to lock his, uh, the elevator f- uh, floor. So, uh, it was, that was, that was pretty funny. Again, that was like 2010 maybe. So this was, this was way before they even, you know, renovated and stuff like that. So, um, but that's the Levesque tower. It's uh, if you've never been down there, obviously it's, it's pretty cool. I, again, I haven't really ventured in there since they've re, uh, re- renovated everything. I, I, I would like to maybe stay in the hotel or, or go to the, the restaurant or, or somewhere like that down there. So, um, I think it. I think it'd be pretty cool. My my grandma used to tell me stories about how she used to go in there when she worked for the um, uh, when she worked at the city hall. You could go in there and there was like an observation floor. You can go and just look out over Columbus. And this was in the you know she worked there in the sixties and seventies and eighties. So you know there was nothing to see essentially. It was just looking out and see how far you could you could see. So um, pretty cool. I think um, that's your um, Levesque Tower. And uh, yeah, so that was your uh, weekly. Uh, venture into the 614 and beyond time machine and uh hope you guys enjoyed that little story um, about the um about the Levesque tower so uh we'll probably continue to talk about you know stuff like this around around columbus um like i said i, I i'm a huge history nerd so i like everything about columbus and if i can find old stories and stuff like that i'll pass it on to you guys so yeah there you go all right so I'm going to try something new here. I am going to do what I call the dramatic reading. And what this is, is I'm going to read you uh, something and you have to tell me what it is. So it could be it could be a poem, it could be song lyrics, it could be anything. But I want you to, if you guys are listening to this, um, just you know, hit me up on, on Twitter, at FireTheCanon or at 614BeyondPod podcast and uh tell me what you think it is so all right here we go i'm gonna do the dramatic reading and then we'll go from there all right we come from the land of the ice and snow from the midnight sun where the hot springs flow the hammer of the gods we drive our ship to new lands to fight the horde sing and cry valhalla i am coming on we weep with threshing ore, our only goal will be the western shore. We come from the land of the ice and snow, from the midnight sun where the hot springs flow. How soft your fields so green can whisper tales of gore, of how we calm the tides of war, we are your overlords. On we sweep with threshing ore, our only goal will be the western shore. So now you'd better stop and rebuild all your ruins for peace and trust can win the day despite of all your losing. 
There we go. All right. So that's your first dramatic reading. Again, if you listen to this, uh, hit me up. Let me know what you think uh, it is. And, uh, yeah. And, again, I'll continue. If you guys have any more, um, if you guys have any recommendations or anything like that, let me know. But, yeah, pretty pretty funny little thing. I was going to start there. So, um, all right. Well, that's it for today. Short and sweet. Uh, we did Blue Jacket Update, 614 and Beyond, History Lesson, and... Uh, the first dramatic reading for the 614 and Beyond pod. So um, hit me up on Twitter at Fire the Cannon, at F1RE the Cannon, at 614 and Beyond pod. And again, if you guys are out and about at Blue Jackets games, hit me up. Um, RR before the games, after games sometimes. And always go ahead and thank uh, Last Choice Network uh, for giving me the opportunity to hop on here with you guys and talk. And obviously, I'm going to try to pump out some more stuff here. Um, I know it's kind of kind of bad with the Blue Jackets being so bad right now, but we'll get through it. We'll get through it, and we'll uh, move on and, and go from there. So I don't have anything else for you guys. I will talk to you guys later. Go Jackets.